Welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast, where two generations of owls, Michael the dad, me, and Hank the son, discuss the latest in movies, plays, books, video games, and more. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast. I'm your co-host, Michael Owl, and I'm here with... Hank Owl. Hank Owl, what are we talking about today? Today we're continuing our series of IMDb's Top 100 Best Movies. Doing number 95, which is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, starring Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet, Tom Wilkinson, and Elijah Wood, directed by Michael Gondry. Story by Charlie Kaufman, Michael Gondry, Pierre Bismuth, and screenplay by Charlie Kaufman. When their relationship turns sour, a couple undergoes a medical procedure to have each other erased from their memories. What do you love about this movie? So I loved uh, a lot about it, to be honest with you. Uh, this was really, really enjoyable experience uh, for me. And this was a rewatch for me. I had seen this when it came out in the movie theaters back in the day uh, with your mom, actually. And we both enjoyed it at the time. So having already seen it and kind of knowing, um, you know, what the plot is about and, when, and how it ends up, uh, it was really fun and cool to see that I still really enjoyed the fact that it's a non-linear narrative. As uh, you said from the introduction, the play involves memory and erasing memories, and the way they tell the story uh, with the timelines is really fun. You know, I love Doctor Who. I love Torchwood. Like, time travel it creates some very cool opportunities uh, for, like, intellectually, uh, you know, making you think about things, but also just feeling things as different events take on new meaning once you realize what you know led up to those events. So I love the fact that it was nonlinear. I thought they did that incredibly well. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, what about you? Is there something you loved? Uh, one of the major things I loved, well, isn't as major as some other things, but just the movie, like production design-wise, just looks really cool. Like we're exploring this like dreamlike state of memory like they they have the option to do a lot of cool like shots and transitions where like you'd walk through a living room door into a valley and go back through the same door into a kitchen. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh what else do you like? Uh I also really enjoyed I would call it I guess I guess the scope of the story. You know, given the description, it'd be easy to think that the movie is only focused on that one couple. You know, played by Jim Carrey and uh, Kate Win- Kate, Kate Winslet? Winslet. Yeah, both great actors. Kate Winslet or Kate Winslet? What Kate Winslet? I believe. Okay. Kate Winslet. I don't know. Kate Winslet probably. <laughs> um. So it so there it, and it does focus on them like they're certainly the lead couple but there's also all these other couples as well there's the you know the doctor who heads up the memory clinic yeah his assistant there's Mark Ruffalo the assistant there's um, Elijah Wood you know and his love interest and I I don't know if we're doing spoilers right now so I'll just keep it like that uh, and kind of the other couples. When they, when we first kind of started concentrating on the couples, when the movie got to that, I was a little bit uh, disappointed. And then thinking about it more and when the rest of the movie played out, it really adds a lot of cool depth 
uh, to this story. And we get to approach relationships on several different levels. And it also provides a nice counterpoint. Um, just because you may know what the, quote, playbook is to woo a person doesn't mean that just anyone could pick up that playbook book and do it. It's not about the moves and actions. It's also about the person. And that was demonstrated with a contrast with one of the other couples. So I really, I really like the fact that we get different levels and layers and looks at romance. Uh, what about you? What's something else you loved? I really liked how character-driven the plot is. And I, I wasn't really sure about this. I guess I didn't really notice this while watching it. But I was looking through some of the IMD images. And there is rarely ever a shot that a char- like a main character isn't front and centered. Like, there's no, like, setting shots. It's all about the character. And that kind of represents the plot because it's involving memory and involving learning more about all these different people and how love affects them how the relationship affects them and that's just it was i really like that just directorial choice how we're, we're always looking at the different characters that's really cool uh another thing you liked uh i would say i guess what i would consider one of the major uh themes i guess to the story um and I don't think this is uh, this may be a spoiler territory. Uh Hank, what do you think? Should I go through with uh, uh it depends on whether you can do it without spoiling it. So I don't I'm not sure that I can cuz it kind of involves I guess like the character's, you know, decision they make, you know, in the in the crisis and the climax of the of the story. But I guess I'll say I would lo- really like the theme. It was really um clear and yeah, it would, it would give away the ending where I just say it. So maybe we'll come back to that. In a little bit. Uh, what about you? Is there another thing you wanted to talk about as far as loving? This is this is kind of... I mean, not on that. This is just another thing. This is kind of the main reason I really love this movie. Because I really, really did love this movie. I think I like this movie more than you did. It's just uh, Jim Carrey's portrayal of Joel Barish. So everything about that is great. One, I kind of related to the character. I don't know why. I guess the character looks like me. He doesn't have great hair. Um, what? You got great hair. Um, um, but just he's, first of all, Jim Carrey does a great job and incredibly, like, different than what I'm used to. Like, um, I'm used to, like, crazy comedy, Ace Ventura, terrible version of the Riddler in Batman Forever. (laughs) Jim Carrey, that movie's so bad. Um, (laughs) but this was, this was a big surprise like and like I'd heard that this movie is great and his performance is great but still I was a little like okay it's still Jim Carrey I'm a little worried but no he does this really great like subtle performance and it feels like he really knows the character like the way he portrays it he feels like a normal person you could run into and you could know in real life and I feel like that's very hard to do like even like the best actors playing the best character like still like that's an actor playing a character but like no this is this is um this is joel barish just being joel barish another thing was like the writing uh charlie kaufman's i haven't seen i've heard a lot about charlie kaufman and his kind of brand but i haven't seen any other charlie kaufman wrote written movie other than this but like the way he writes joel is just so 
so great. It's just, especially about memory. He plays, he writes these characters, and especially Joel, very, very realistically. I don't know how I can describe it more than that. They just feel like you really you really know them you know about how joel's um like reluctance to share personal details the different elements like i don't think this is for like the journal the journal that joel has uh kind of full of his personal thoughts his own personal monologue i mean see that play throughout some of them how he doesn't really share that it's kind of representation of how he doesn't really share his own personal feelings he's very i don't know if it's like insecure or uh, shy about how he really thinks, and how was in his childhood. But like that's all, it's all done very, it's all just done very well, and it made Joel a very likable character, and I wanted you wanted to see succeed. And I feel like I'm more focusing on Joel, but uh, Kate Clementine, as uh, Kate Winslet's character, is the female love interest. It's also written very well, and the acting is done very well. But I was like, Joel was like. I think if Joel was like any different than he was, and like the story and um, how Charlie Kaufman writes Joel was any different than it was, I wouldn't like this movie as much. Yeah, I hear that. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I think. If could I just add on to what you said? Uh, yeah, I just thought of another. Thing I agree, hundred percent. A scene just... where that really. Completely just lived in characters and no easy um, characterizations or caricatures, like really fully lived in people who are feeling something, going through something, and doing something. What did you think of? I was thinking of a particular scene I wanted to bring up, and this is not spoiled. There's a scene where Joel and Clementine are at dinner, and it's kind of Joel's like mental monologue. It's like, are we the dining dead? Like, you no, know, he doesn't want to look like. The couples you see at restaurants that just aren't talking, and like how he just how he realized that's not who he wants to be, but like he tries to improve that, but he can't really do it, and that's just that's one example of like just the great writing in this movie. Yeah, that concept of the dining dead is pretty pretty awesome because uh, there is a you know phase in relationships where that can happen. Now, there's also like a very something very close. You know, akin to that is the comfortable silence, which is which is not the dining dead, but is maybe like you maybe go through the dining dead period to get to the um, mutually satisfied <laughs> couple not saying a lot. But but I, I I think that whole concept of dining dead is awesome and was great, really well done in the movie as well. Yes. Um. Guess I mean there's we really I really love this movie. There is one thing we both kind of agreed was pretty weird. So there's this this, this sequence, and I'm not going to spoil really how they get to it, but it's going into Joel's childhood, and it's in the kitchen, and like they do this kind of trippy thing where Jim Carrey is an adult but also a kid at the same time, where he looks like an adult but everything is bigger, and that went on a little too long. That wasn't really as interesting. Yeah, and I, it wasn't the weirdness that bothered me. Yeah, it was weird, but the whole movie's weird when you get down to that. But it just went on too long. Yeah, it just you know, it just they they you know, it, it's it's funny and interesting, and it did move the plot forward, but it just went on way too long. Yes, it that 
Facts. In my opinion. And yeah, yours yours as well. <laughs> well, I was also kind of like, like, when you're doing that, I was like, okay, we 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 have seen that this is weird now, and I I would like I would like us to go somewhere else. Yeah, and I like. I mean, it was cool in that you know we we see this kid and we see his view from underneath the table. You know, was just you know legs, and obviously that influences. And then we also see, you know, there's that phrase, this little old Dave Matthews um, lyric, and maybe an album cover or title uh under the table and dreaming like i remember spending time as a kid under the table and like doing that i don't that's not something i've seen you do uh as a kid but i think back in the day like my generation maybe that was <laughs> maybe we just did that more I'd, um but it's something i associate with childhood so it was great to see that it just yeah just too long yeah is there anything else that you, you uh, spoilers kind of weren't a fan of or should we get into kind of I mean, spoiler that's really territory? the only thing this is a pretty great 100 percent movie like, I don't. I don't think we're doing ratings on like this IMDb series. But we're kind I would, of. I might. I'm, I would might have given it an A plus. Like I. This is. I. This is like somewhere in like my top twenty favorite movies. That's awesome. That is really. That's really cool to hear. So I guess that goes into our ranking because we said we're only going to mention the rankings. This is. This is my favorite so far. Yeah, and I'm. I can see why. Now I will say, Citizen Kane, much better movie. So it's just much, just a much better movie. But you enjoyed this one more. Yes, this one felt more, I guess, more personal. I guess I, could, I, f- I found it easy to put myself in Joel's shoes. Yeah, that was that's really cool. Uh, and I, I love this movie also. I don't know that I'm going to put it above Citizen Kane, but it's really close behind. And I would say, yeah, this so far of the ones we've watched, uh, this would be my you know second favorite, maybe my first too. I don't know. We'll see. So far, I've, I've really enjoyed all of them, uh, but. This, this one certainly stands out. Uh, before we go into kind of more freeform uh, spoiler talk, may I read to you a poem? Please. How happy is the blameless Vestal's lot, the world forgetting by the world forgot, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, each prayer accepted and each wish resigned. That that whole scene and sequence was really awesome. That is really cool. Who wrote that poem? Oh, uh, that was Alexander Pope. Okay. That's uh, you probably have not studied him just yet in your English classes, Hank. Uh no, no. Okay. Uh, cool. That's really really cool. Um, so maybe I should talk about the theme now. Let's yeah, let's go into spoilers. You haven't seen the movie. Go see the movie. If you have to see the movie, go see it again. But, also, <laughs> yeah. but after you listen to this. That's right. So we are doing spoilers right now. So the theme, or at least one of the themes that came across to me and where I think, you know, Joel and Clementine are in this crisis or this little climax of the movie is, you know, they, they find out that they erased each other. They find out basically the course of their relationship and then, you know, clearly it's not going to work, right? They didn't work. They had their chance, and they ended up not together for mutual reasons. And yet, given the chance to do it over again and admit and confess that the same thing is going to happen again, they decide to go forward anyways and do it again. And I just kind of love that um, for so many reasons, mainly you know, it's process, not product-oriented. You know, as a person, I dig that. 
they are just going to go for it no no matter what, um, even with all the negatives they go through. And it reminded me of that, you know, poignant or cheesy Garth Brooks song, depending on what you think of it, with uh, the dance, I think is the name of the song. And it says, you know, I could have missed the pain, but I would have had to miss the dance. And that's a fun way to think about life. It's a good way to think about things after the fact. Like, yeah, I wish I hadn't gone through that, but yet that's made me who I am. That's part of, you know, of what created me right now is having those past pain. But faced with doing that in the future, uh, to be able to say, yes, we're going to do it again, that's really heroic and beautiful and wonderful. And, you know, I thought it was just a great moment. And so I kind of love that message of the movie, uh, that part of the theme. All right, can I also talk about a uh, spoiler thing? I'm not sure if this needed to be spoilers, but yeah, what is I kind of just is someone we didn't do justice while talking about it. Just a general is Kirsten Dunst's character of Mary. It is so cool how like you see her change. Like she's all beginning. She's all like, "This is great. Everyone wants a clean slate," until she realizes that it's already happened to her. And yeah. she's repeating the same mistakes. And that if you don't know, you don't learn the mistakes. If, sorry. If you are allowed to forget the mistakes you previously made, you are just going to make them again. Right. So that, so that, the fact that they, her character and the relationship she had, first of all, let me ask, did you notice when you were watching the film that she was attracted oh, totally. to Tom Wilkinson's character? Definitely. Okay. Yeah, and it's was really cool at the end. One thing I talk about is like, I think Mark Ruffalo knew. Mark Ruffalo says to Kirsten Dunn's character that he didn't know that she'd already had this previous relationship with uh, Tom Wilkinson. Tom Wilkinson, but he did. Like he's like beeping on the car thing when his wife shows up. Like, and he purposely leaves the room, even though he can clearly see that like. They're going to do something. Yeah, so like I didn't believe him either. I think you're right that. on that. I think he knew what had happened. Uh, another thing why that relationship is cool is that gives us the proof of the concept. So that things would again unfold as they did. So that's why we know when Clementine and Joel are discussing about whether to go forward with their doomed relationship... We know that, yes, it would have been a doomed relationship again. You know, they weren't going into it with this, you know, well, maybe things will be different this time. Because that would change dramatically the theme, right? And the message. But because Kirsten Dunst does the exact same thing and goes through the exact same scenario, we know that they will too, which makes their choice to go forward even stronger. So, just, I mean, just really good storytelling. Yeah, this is just, this is very, very great. Awesome. Is, um, is there anything else you want to talk about with this film? No, that's really it. It was was pretty great. David Cross's character is pretty funny. And yep, and their relationship, again, and that's another couple that it highlights. Again, another just another example of a couple and a type of couple because their marriage is not doing well at all. You know, they're bickering at each other all the time. So, again, another, it's hard out there. Yeah, <laughs> relationships are hard. Uh, and I, I want to just expand a little bit on what you were saying because we were, you know, pre-spoiler. I love how the things disappear. I love how they walk in a room and because it's like a dream and the memory and talking about the production design like you were talking about. It was just so cool. 
yeah. so well done and so fun visually and you you know you don't know what's going on but there's enough clues and enough story and the acting is so great and the writing so great that you know you don't get bogged down with what you don't know and you enjoy the process and enjoy filling in the gaps when they give it to you so yeah, yeah just a really great film yeah this uh, just, just i would not mind i want to i want to rewatch this yeah and i think i'll be curious to hear your opinion on it uh, knowing everything because I, be- I guarantee you'll see lots of cool little subtle things that they give as clues to the time frame and all that. Uh, you know, you should talk her about hair color. One of them. I mean, their hair colors. You know, there's a guide to the following the, the time. I'm sure with her hair. I um one thing that you brought up. I'm just gonna, I'm going to bring it up again, and then you can comment on it. Yeah, because I don't think you remember it. Is uh, we're talking about uh, commenting on Kate Winslet performance of Clementine, how. You wondered if she made a difference acting-wise when she was playing Clementine versus Joel's memory version of Clementine. That's right. So maybe explain that one more time just in case everybody didn't get that. All right. So Joel is like ends up talking to his memory of Clementine, and they kind of work together to not forget her. But there's also, we also see parts of Clementine real world while Joel's memory is being erased. So you were wondering if she made like a conscious acting decision on the differences between the real Clementine and Joel's version of Clementine. Did yeah, she Joel's like memory. change her uh, personality? Did you find out some info? Uh, no, no. I was just bringing that up so you could talk about that more yeah it was just interesting to think about it's something i didn't realize during the movie but if i'm curious if you know you know charlie kaufman and michael gondry and and kate winslet if they talked about you know subtle differences in script and acting from clementine in real life you know and versus you know joel's memory of her and i didn't notice any and so i i don't know as an actor you know, you, I think you'd probably want to put something in there like that, but also it's probably very subtle and probably not very many people would notice. But, or if they just said, you know what, let's not even worry about that. It's just playing the truth of the moment and that kind of thing. So I don't know. Maybe I'll dig around and uh, see if there's any information on that. Uh, but, yeah, that was just something that occurred to me as we were talking about the film earlier. All right. Is that it? I feel like that's it. Yeah, I think that's it. We both love the movie. Yeah, that's just really just a very, very, very quality movie that I will want to watch again. And this is 95 on the list, on their list, right? This is 95. 95, all right. So You want to know the next one? Yeah, give give me a preview. What's number 94? That we've all heard about. It's called Dangle. I'm just kidding. It's it's an Indian film. I'm very excited about it. It's a a biopic about a wrestler and because I don't know much about wrestling, I don't know if this is a fictional wrestler or a real wrestler. That's uh, or even what kind of wrestling? I wonder. But uh, it it looks it looks very interesting. All right, cool. So we will be talking about that next time. And I don't know. We're probably gonna have to pay for that on Amazon. Since I don't think our major streaming services have a lot of. Indian films. And we're lucky enough to live in Atlanta where we still have a pretty amazing uh, video store called Videodrome on North Highland or North Avenue. So if we can't find it there, I bet they would have it. They've got all the good stuff. We can get their cashier to cough on us while we do that. 
That's right. We go in, social distance, wear a mask. Yes. All right. Well, that does it for this episode of the Owls on Culture podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to our newsletter. Go to pineconeturkey.com and join the flock. You can also follow us on Letterboxd. I'm going to be trying to update that more. Yeah. Why don't you take ownership of that and uh, and give us some cool presents on there, on Letterboxd. Yeah. So that's, um, you know, if you all don't know, I didn't know about it, but it's, um, you know, obviously a, a cinephile platform for talking and reviewing and seeing what movies you've seen. Probably like a, the equivalent is Goodreads, I would imagine. Yes. Not exactly positive on that. So, yeah, so follow us on uh, Letterboxd, and we will see you again soon. Thank you for listening. Until we meet again. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Owls on Culture podcast. Our theme music was recorded and assembled by Marine Serzier and Antoine Hulot. The show is produced by Pinecone Turkey. To learn more about Pinecone Turkey, visit pineconeturkey.com, where you can read the latest blog posts from the Owls on Culture hosts and sign up for the Flock email, twice-a-month newsletter that delivers a short film, poetry, short story, and visual art right to your inbox. It's your monthly dose of art curated by Pinecone Turkey. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by leaving us a rating on iTunes. Thanks for listening.